Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me in another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. As always, check out our previous episodes. There's over 700 podcast episodes between the two shows, Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Investing Secrets. Along with resources, tools, and more, you can check out everything at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. I'm super excited for this episode today. I've got another great guest with another great, great interview. I want to welcome Fletcher Wheaton to the show. Fletcher, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, MC. I've uh, been listening to the podcast for a while and I'm excited to be on. Thank you for the opportunity. Real estate investor, entrepreneur, Fletcher, uh, for folks that are not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them? Yeah. So I've been in real estate since I got out of school about 2008. Um, And that was really like duplexes and triplexes with my father in New Orleans. And I was really kind of university area. Now, I'm obviously, I'm in Los Cabos, Mexico right now. And how did I get there? Basically, um, my father bought a place here. And the reason, the logic behind why he bought in Cabo was he had three kids, right? He had put them through school. We're officially off the tab. He has his house paid off. And he looks at his portfolio and he says, wow, I have a lot of my net worth in the stock market. How do I diversify? So um, he actually bought three properties in Mexico as investments. And basically, I went down one weekend. He was like, hey, uh, you know, it's almost like it was like a Monday. He's like, hey, I'm going down to Mexico or or Cabo this weekend. Would you like to come? So a little three day trip. And I said, hey, why not? I'll go to the beach and scout out some real estate. Well, two hours after we get to the hotel where we're staying at, he says, oh, well, the uh, realtor who uh, is coming to show us the property you know, it's coming to pick us up right now. And, uh, you know, fast forward, that is now my wife. So what really was going to be a three-day, you know, property scouting trip in Cabo San Lucas ended up turning into now I'm I'm here with uh, Alisa. We have a son, Parker. And, um, you know, uh, she's been in real estate here for 10 years. And we have a condo project coming up very soon. Fantastic. Well, we've not covered real estate in, in Mexico at all. So tell me a little bit about uh, Cabo, the real estate market there, uh, what's going on there, and why it's it's a very, very attractive place, not only for tourists, which I'm sure you're going to talk about that, but also for, for folks that are looking for uh, real estate investments outside of the United States and outside of uh, the countries that they live in. We've got listeners in over 180 countries. Yeah. So uh, I think... You know, Cabo is a great investment for somebody who's looking to get out of, you know, something that they've been doing forever. For example, one of the last guys I talked with, uh, he was from Portland. You know, I think his house had gone from, you know, maybe worth half a million dollars in in 2005 to now it's over like 1.2. And basically, you have a lot of people that are looking to invest in Cabo, not only you know, for like the beachfront home or the vacation house. But, you know, Cabo is basically my market, which is basically $200,000 and up. I'd say that that is 80% Americans and Canadians, which means they're going to be paying the U.S. dollar. 
And now who are those remaining 20% MC? That's going to be uh, generally wealthy Mexicans, you know, uh, like executives from Monterey or, or Mexico City, which surprisingly or shockingly, a lot of people in the United States would not realize this, but there's a lot of money. Now, why is that uh, very attractive to them? It's attractive to them because they are diverse. Generally, they're going to be making money in the, in the Mexican peso. And if they buy real estate in these beach markets like Cabo San Lucas, you're going to be an instant diversification outside of the Mexican peso. So it's very attractive. The, the first reason I would say is the, the U.S. dollar. Uh, another thing is a lot of people, we focus on the long-term rental market. You know, a lot of people here are doing like the Airbnb type stuff. So there's a very strong long-term rental market. And really the reason why I would say Cabo, well, first of all, you have the best beaches in Mexico. But the reason why I would say that Cabo is maybe better than, than other destinations from a investment standpoint is that really real estate didn't get started here in like until like 1990. You know, a lot of this land was like public domain and then they opened it up. So it's almost like the Wild West. In Los Cabos, you actually have more land than you have developments. So we're just, this is like the first frontier, you know. In 10 or 15 years, the game or the, the landscape of this area will look completely different. And um, really last, it's so easy to get here, man. The, uh, the international airport, uh, I just went under, underwent uh, an expansion. And I mean, last time I flew out, you know, you got daily flights from LA, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas, Houston. And I'm not just talking like one flight, you know, and this was like in the middle of the, the pandemic. So um, obviously those numbers will be skewed right now, but uh, it's so easy to get here. It, I think there's so much misinformation about Mexico in general, the country, in especially in the U.S. media and e even foreign media. One of the things that you said, too, about the wealth, there is so much affluence like in Mexico City and in different parts of Mexico. It's beautiful. Uh, there's thriving businesses. I mean, all you see basically in a lot of media is negative stuff, right? <laughs> right? You just uh, hear all the bad things related to it, but... Uh, in reality, there's a lot of folks that that absolutely love it down there, love the lifestyle, love the markets, the different towns that it's in. Obviously, tourism is, tourism is a very, very big part of it. But there's a lot of other great things that I don't think get gets the attention. And I mean, the quality of life, the standard of living, and of course, the the affordability that that it has too is is something to be said. So the short-term rental market you mentioned is is big uh, and is a big thing in, in Cabo. So this development that you're a part of, and that's why I'm interest, interested to learn more about it. So it's a condo project. So that would be folks purchasing, let's just say something down there and participate in the short-term rental market, and then also maybe utilize it throughout the year. Yeah, so basically we we will have three types of clients that we're looking at. You got the number one, the guy or you know, gal that is basically buying a property as a vacation home. They're just like, hey, I just want a new place. I really like Cabo. All right, let's buy this, okay? I don't want anyone else living in it. You know, it's gonna be mine. Then you have the person too that comes down and says, Hey, look, I want to live here for maybe part of the year, and then I want you to rent it out. For the other half of the year, you know, or, or whatever it is. And then a lot of times those people end up, you know, like let's say COVID is right. They're not coming down all the time. So a lot of those people end up, we end up running out their place. They think they're going to spend a lot of time here and it ends up becoming like an investment property. 
which is leads to the third really type of buyer, which is going to be pure investment. And, you know, from that standpoint, you can go short-term, long-term really whatever you want. This condo project is a proven experienced developer. This will be like their 21st development in Mexico. Um, they've really focused on the Riviera Maya, which is the East coast of Mexico. And you have like Tulum, Cancun, Playa Carmen, those markets. And now they're starting, this is going to be their first development on the West coast. It's going to be in Cabo, it's 300 units. And then they're looking at, they've already got it, right? So right after this project launches, they're going to be doing one in Puerto Vallarta. They bought land in La Paz. They got another uh, property in, that they're going to develop in San Miguel de Allende. So it's, it's a good company to get on board with and there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So they have done a number of these. What is kind of the model? Uh, like you said, uh, is it the 300 units? There's, you know, pool, clubhouse, that kind of stuff, other amenities. What's the um, locations that they usually scout and, and, and develop? Is it a uh, beachfront close to the ocean? What are some of the things that they, they add to it? So they've done everything. They've done actually like uh, hotel type projects. They really focus on the condo projects. They have beachfront stuff. You know, a lot of them are, you know, mixture of houses, you know, golf course type stuff. Um, but basically taking advantage of, of beachfront markets. This development in Cabo is going to be really nice. Um, it's probably going to be maybe five minutes from town, you know, maybe seven minutes to the beach. Um, you got a great view. And I mean, you're literally right in Cabo San Lucas, but you're away from all, all the noise and everything like that. So it's, uh, I think it's going to do very well. Yeah. One of the things that's very attractive is Americans, especially the people in the U.S. can still get down to Mexico. The border is not closed. So it definitely is an option for folks to look at, to inter internationally diversify in times like this. And if they're not happy with uh, their uh, civil liberties and uh, the way that their life has been impacted in 2020, it definitely, definitely becomes an option for them. Let's talk a little bit about financing, because that's probably a, a thing that folks are thinking about when they look at properties and foreign properties or overseas, because it's a completely different ball game as opposed to the West where you could just borrow at low interest rates and that's why prices are so inflated. Um, I don't know where it's going to end. It's so crazy where interest rates are in the States. What, what can you share regarding financing? Because it's not always been available and maybe if you want to, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about the financing first. Okay. So yeah, the two main questions I get from people are, Hey, is it safe? And then, hey, what about financing? And, you know, I can go on about the safety uh, part later, but financing. So you've got a, a couple options and a lot of these weren't necessarily uh, available, let's say, five years ago. There is, has been a big push by a company, Global Mortgage, and um, they do loans at 15, 20 and 25 years. And their loans really start at 7 percent. Okay, so this is not for like multifamily investment. This is really just like mortgage type stuff. But they have really come into Cabo and Vallarta, other parts of Mexico, and really changed the game. Now, if you were going to buy from our developer uh, one of these condos, you would have developer financing. And that's going to be, whereas the global mortgage would really be more like, hey, you can do like 30, 40% down. This one is going to be about 50% down, and then you're going to have to finance the remaining 50% over 10 years. So those are two main options. You can really 
You have all sorts of uh, other things where you got people taking out uh, home equity lines of credit, things like that. But really, those are two options. And um, I do believe that, you know, maybe in, in the next coming years, I, I'm really keen or I hope that uh, the rates get a little bit more competitive. And we were just talking about that, MC. You have, you have your pros and cons to that. But those are really two main sources of financing that you can have here in Los Cabos. Yeah. Because there's a direct correlation. You and I were talking, you know, lower rates, higher prices. You you just, I mean, it's. I was having a conversation with someone and just with the rate drop this year alone in the market that this first specific person is in, you can afford, you know, eighty dollars to $100,000 more on a house for, for the same monthly payment just because of the interest rate drop. So you got to look at all these things as an investor. Uh, and as a business owner, you have to be cognizant of how the money game works, how interest rates work, how the cost of capital work. It's all connected, right? You know, it's very important to, to, to know. Uh, and that's why when you're looking sometimes at a higher interest rate, not necessarily a bad thing. I remember, you know, I sh- I've shared before the first place I bought in South Africa, I think it was double digit interest rates. And most folks would get nauseous if they see the, the mortgage that I got. But I still had the property cash flowing because of how it was priced in re- relative to the interest rate environment and the financing. So if you still buy right, have the right financing and right strategy and manage it properly, you could still make it work. Um, it goes for any market. Um, I want to touch on this quick because I had a note here of risks. You got to get into risk. And, and, and you mentioned safety is the first thing that pop up. Maybe if you want to talk about some of the other risks, uh, start with safety. Uh, one of the things at the top of my mind, obviously, is different maybe property rights because it's a different country as in Latin America. It might be different to what most folks in the West, uh, in Western countries or that have different property rights uh, established that, that they're used to? Okay. So, yeah. Um, first off, crime, you know, uh, and safety. I come from New Orleans, which is generally like the bottom five in the United States when it comes to, you know, in a bad way in, in crime and things like that. So I'm like used to, uh, you know, growing up like that. And that doesn't mean like that's not a knock on New Orleans. I never really felt that dangerous there or in danger, you know, I was walking around my, where I'm living right now, MC, and literally like every other house has a bike out, you know, and I, I was just thinking, I was like, man, if that was New Orleans, those bikes would be gone in, in under an hour, you know? So I think there's a, a rhetoric and look, I'm not saying there's parts of Mexico that, you know, I would necessarily wouldn't recommend people go to, um, I just don't have any experience with, with that, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, a lot of these like border towns where, where you have other things going on, right? Cabo is like really isolated. So if you come down to Cabo and you're coming from like San Francisco or LA or Dallas or Houston, I would be shocked if you would say, you know, after staying here for three or four days that you really think it's dangerous here. And I, I have a, a couple videos on things like that too. As far as the ownership, that's a good question. Um, you can own real estate here in Cabo. You, there's a couple different vehicles you can set it up as. You know, for example, we've set up like an, an LLC to hold, you know, multiple properties. Because um, if you're basically the, the way you set up ownership structure in Mexico, for most people, it's going to be what is called the uh, fideicomiso. It's kind of like a trust. And um, basically, uh, it just it costs 
a couple hundred bucks a year, maybe 300, 400 bucks. So if you start accumulating, let's say like we have like five, six properties, you know, you just put that in on LLC and you eliminate that. Now, most people aren't going to go into that much detail, but as far as being able to legally own your property, yes, it's uh, people have been doing it for a long time and uh, it's a very safe structure. I just want to make a comment too on the safety. It's because I grew up in South Africa and I've lived in the United States almost as long as I lived in, in, in South Africa. Every country in the world, I mean, it's the same thing. Like there are certain areas that are less safe than other areas. You talk about the United States. I mean, I lived in Chicago for a long time. There are certain parts of Chicago that that would not be very safe to go into for anyone. The same thing with, you know, uh, parts of, of Cape Town in South Africa, which is the uh, closest major city that where I live. The same thing where, where I live now, close to Philly or close to New York City. It's, it's the same everywhere. So it's usually like a stigma where they're like, oh, it's very, very unsafe there. No, it, it's unsafe in all parts of the world. It, every every uh, part of the world has undesirable characters. It's just that's how that's how distribution works. You know, you have you have less desirable characters in any market in any place around the world, and you just have to know where to go and, and not uh, where not to go. Right? Yeah, actually, I got that question in the middle of like the rioting going on in uh, the U.S. and not not to make anything like political or anything, but I was just sitting there. I'm like, this is a little ironic that you're asking me, is it safe when you have a lot of people out on the streets, you know, saying that they don't feel safe, but you're going to, you know, and I, that doesn't get me, you know, that's why I put content out that answers those questions. So it's like, Hey, here's a video, here's an article, here's some other things kind of get you started. And, and but really it's once you get down, you know, in, into a place and you're walking around you're like, okay, this is, <laughs> This is not like a war zone like the media has portrayed. So yeah, they would make it. They would make it seem that there's people hanging from bridges, you know, beheaded everywhere, and you know, <laughs> big massive cartel wars everywhere, and every American that crosses the border gets pulled over and shake, shake, shaken down, you know, by the police. It's it's folks. It's uh, yeah. It's sometimes it's you <laughs> when you when you see folks and how people live down there, and you see the amazing lifestyles that the folks have. You can live fabulously anywhere in the world if you know where to live and what to do and, 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 and where to go. Quick question for you. What, what's the experience been like? So for folks that are looking to internationalize and travel, uh, it's going to be much, much difficult to do that. Uh, I can see in the, in the next couple of years than what folks were able to travel. I think international travel is, is a thing of the past for a lot of folks. But uh, for people moving to, let's just say, Mexico, where you moved to, you've immersed yourself in the culture, you've learned how to speak Spanish fluently, and so forth. What were some of the biggest adjustments that you have to, uh, had to make, and what were some of the things that you did that, that really worked and really accelerated the, pro the process of uh, not just immersing yourself, but also integrating in, in, into society there? I've lived, I studied abroad in Buenos Aires and uh, I've lived in Colombia, I lived in Panama and I've lived in Mexico. So I've lived and that's really how I got fluent. I studied Spanish in school, but I didn't, I didn't get fluent in school. I got, I got fluent when I was immersing myself in other cultures. So when I got to Cabo, I really already kind of understood the uh, Latino way of life and Cabo definitely is, um, you know, very Americanized and whatnot, but there's going to be a lot of different things that 
for somebody coming down if you're living full time will be different for sure. I think where I've capitalized on that is MC. There's a lot of people in real estate here that are from the U.S. and things like that that don't speak Spanish, that haven't really immersed themselves, that uh, they're speaking English every day. They're going out, you know, they're living their lives almost like they were in the States, whereas, you know, my wife is Mexican. A lot of my friends here are Mexican. And because of that, I've actually had uh, people here. I write articles for a local paper and I have uh, like this, these executives reach out and basically say, hey, look, we're, we're starting this publication and it's all Mexican and we really want to have, you know, basically some gringos on. Would you like to join our team? And that's just kind of the things where because I've immersed myself, I stand out from a lot of the others. Um, so, you know, you can get away here without speaking Spanish. You can get away here without using Mexican peso. You can use a dollar anywhere. So really the, the cultural aspect of, of Cabo, it's, it's not so much different than, than the United States, if I'm being honest. But the fact that I've gotten immersed, you know, with other Mexicans and, and they know that has really helped me professionally as well. That's awesome. And you mentioned Latin America, uh, and there's a lot of just really cool real estate projects going on across that. It seems to be a lot of opportunity in Latin America. Yeah, no, uh, you know, Sam Zell, in my opinion, is probably one of the most important guys in commercial real estate. And um, if you follow him, man, he absolutely loves Latin America. As a matter of fact, he calls Europe Disney World. He's like, man, there's no population growth. There's just castles, you know, and I'm not saying there's not opportunity there. I don't know that market. But what I will say is that, and see, if you look at, if you look at, I always give this example. If you look at like Japan, it's a very old country. You know, the average age is 47. You come to the U.S., what's the biggest thing going on, right? One of the biggest things is the baby boomers, man. They're all retiring, right? You, the average age in the United States is somewhere around 37, 38. You come to Mexico, the average age is 27. Most people like can't even fathom that. So you have this very young country. And this is really speaking to a lot of Latin America, like Colombia. And you have these like uh, accelerated um, population growth where people are having children, right? I know my parents had three kids. You know, my older sister, she has one kid. I think that's probably going to be it for me. One kid probably going to be it. But um, and obviously I'm in Mexico, I'm not in the States, but I think now with rising costs and, and things like that, you're starting to see that kind of level off. Whereas in Latin America, you have this, what Sam Zell would define as, you know, this, this demand just coming in for housing because you have such, you know, these, these tailwinds from population growth. You know, uh, another thing that's great about Mexico is when, when Trump came into the presidency, he started the whole, like, hey, we're going to build a wall, we're going to do all this. And it was kind of like this, this rhetoric against Mexico. Well, then what people, so people would have said that was really bad for Mexico, right? But then he goes and he starts the trade war with China. And then you have all this, like, logistic, logistical nightmares. Then you're looking at it and it's like, well, Mexico is like this really almost cheaper manufacturing in, in some regards. So I think that's really helped out too. And I think the U.S. and Mexico are just going to continue to grow this relationship. So you have low manufacturing costs, you got high population growth, and obviously you're going to have kinks that you got to work out and things like that. But I think from those perspectives, and if, if you go in and read what people like Sam Zeller are saying, that I, I would second that 100%. Yeah, ab absolutely. I love uh, studying Sam Zell too for any 
real estate investor, if you're not studying Sam Zell and reading his books, I mean, what an absolute genius. So when Sam Zell speaks, especially now too, uh, listen, listen to what he has to say. So very, very, very smart man. And then you've also shared a lot of stuff on video and switched over to video and, and started promoting to video for all of our marketing folks out there and for business owners and investors trying to market themselves. Uh, what got you into uh, doing a lot of video and what are some of the things that you're doing with video to, to help grow your presence and help grow your business? Yeah, that's a, a really good question, MC. I admittedly right now I'm like just starting video like as in 2020 and I just really like the results so far. Um, and I would encourage anybody who's doing any sort of podcasting any, to at least start mixing it up. Um, and I just find that, for example, MC, before I was kind of, I was doing a lot of articles. I like articles. It helps me kind of, I can get my ideas down. I can do the due diligence and I can put it on paper and present it. Right. I like that. And then uh, I had a buddy who was basically like, you know, I was putting all these work into it and he's like, man, you live in Cabo. You're like in paradise, man. Why don't you just make like a video out of it? And like these videos were getting way more views than the articles were. Um, and I think to a certain extent, you can kind of hide behind like a article or a blog post, not so much a podcast, but I feel like a lot of people have gone in a podcast. So I think a way to stand out is to do, and I'm not necessarily talking about full on productions, but I just feel that video is a great way for people to see your body language, to understand you. Business is done face to face. Right. So if, if people see your face, they're a little bit more comfortable. I think it breaks down that barrier. And um, just I would recommend people to, to look into video because it's helped me out a ton. And with that, I'm just going to keep running with it. You know, absolutely. We mentioned you mentioned Sam Zell. What are some of the other things that you're that you're studying and learning? Uh, good question. Um, as far as on that level, you know, uh, people that I like to read, I really like Howard Marks. I have a, a equity background, you know, so I, I like the stock market. I like to follow it. Howard Marks, I'm really like kind of like a, a disciple of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. You know, I've been following a lot of these guys, uh, like Ray Dalio, specifically in regards to these, these um, in low interest rate environments that it looks like it's going to be, you know, for the foreseeable future. So I think, you know, um, you have to stay current, you know, uh, and find whatever it is, whether that's books, whether that's people you like, or what, if, if that could be podcasts, right? That could be anything. But I think staying current on your education is absolutely critical because we were just talking about this, man, that the landscape will change. People, oh, well, right when you start to think you, you, you're understanding something, right? markets, real estate, it'll humble you and show you, hey, this is, this is what's going on. Absolutely. Now, our core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Number one, I would say, and this has helped me out a lot, is that's how I know Adam is from this mastermind group. It's been very uh, great it's been a great opportunity to be able to bounce ideas off other like-minded individuals because a lot of times if you're running solo or, or things like that for too long, you're going to start believing a lot of the stuff you're saying. So having people to keep you in check, 
I think number two, what's I was fortunate to have a father that really lived below his means, you know? So uh, I, I really think that if you live below your means, you really can't lose, right? You're going to have money to invest. And if you're like me, you're going to make some good investments. You're going to make some bad investments, but if the bad investments will help, will actually be better for you. And hopefully you make those when you're younger, get those out of the way, but it's all a learning experience. So I would definitely say living below your means is a, is a big one because, um, you know, I do feel like uh, there's kind of like a keeping up with the Joneses is still going on. And uh, number three, I would just say, you know, um, I was just talking about video, you know, I think it's very important MC to be authentic. You know, there's a lot of voices and, you know, little Johnny down the street could buy a microphone and jump on the internet. You know, uh, how would he stand out? I think you've got to be authentic. So as soon as you start mimicking somebody else or, or doing what you think, um, as opposed to like what really you're passionate about, I think that will, will really help. Awesome. Fletcher, where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they stay informed of all of the many projects uh, that you're involved with? So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So uh, you can just find me Fletcher Wheaton uh, on LinkedIn. And today I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to push out the Cabo key Instagram page. And uh, I think I sent that link to you. And uh, those are two great ways to get in touch and kind of follow along with what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for connecting and coming onto the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge with all of my listeners and viewers. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, MC. It was great. Awesome. And thank you to my listeners, my viewers, for spending your most valuable resource, your time, once again with me on the show. Again, check out all of our previous episodes, tools, resources, and our community at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. Until next time, live infinitely. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.